Neurobiologics proudly presents Season 2 of Coffee with Dr. Stewart. This show will provide our listeners with up-to-date medical information from a leading neurotologist and neuromine specialist. With Dr. Stewart's broad medical knowledge, we will discuss how he helps his patients with issues such as ADD, migraines, hormones, sleep, fatigue, methylation, autism, genetic mutations, and nutritional protocols. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and I invite you to sit back, grab your favorite beverage or cup of coffee, and let's have Coffee with Dr. Stewart. All right, and good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I am Kara Stewart-Mullins, your host, and we are now, we're over half of the, the season three. We're on episode 10, right, Dr. Stewart? Yeah. Can you believe it? Hasn't it just flown by? Sounds like you had your coffee today. I did. I had a lot of coffee today. <laughs> You're jacked up. <laughs> I am. I am. I am. But, you know, that's kind of my normal personality. But right. anyways, today we're going to talk about mitochondria. This is a, a topic mm. that I always choose the topics based upon all the calls that we get and emails. Sure. And I asked Dr. Sir, what do you want to talk about? And mm-hmm. he said mitochondria. mitochondria. So we're going to cover mitochondria and some chronic fatigue today. Sure. But I first want to start out, Dr. Stewart, I got an email last week um, that brought that brought me to tears. And we get a lot of emails from patients of yours or just from people that say, oh, my gosh, your supplements or Dr. Stewart's changed my life. But this one was from an MD counterpart. Oh, okay. She's a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. She's an OBGYN in Scottsdale, Arizona. Her name is Courtney Hunt. And can I, I'm just not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read part of her email. So... It is not often, Dr. Stewart, as healthcare providers, that we hear how deeply we have touched the lives of people we may never see or meet. I want to let you know that I have been greatly impacted um, by your practice of medicine. I have been searching for answers to hunches about pregnancy and autism. I have delivered thousands of babies, and there's always been a voice in my head getting stronger telling me that MTHFR plays a role. That's awesome. Yeah. So until last year... When I saw you speak at A4M, which is the uh, World Congress of Anti-Aging, it changed her life. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So since that day in December, um, I have studied everything I can get my hands on about MTHFR, neurotransmitters, and immune problems. Um, My husband suffers from celiac disease, and there were days that I did not think he was going to survive. She has another family member that struggled with anxiety and depression his whole life. They both started on the supplements that you suggested suggested and she says now i have my boys back oh that's awesome yeah she says her husband is um back to health that he had 12 years ago he is up early and ready to go and even goes to the gym with her that's great and her other family member is doing wonderful and not lethargic or disorganized doesn't that make you just so proud and happy yep wow Well, I, I can't wait to talk about this topic because a lot of this stuff that mitochondria and chronic fatigue is stuff that you have been doing since I've, well, known what you did in medicine 10, 12 years ago. When we talk about chronic fatigue, we talk about herpes and Epstein-Barr, but mitochondria, it, it's something that I don't think a lot of people understand what it is or what they do. So first, let's start out because mitochondria and fatigue go hand in hand, correct? Sure. And um, So tell us first, what are mitochondria and what do they do? To well, the, that's the, right. Let me tell you why, why we're talking about this. So basically, beginning a couple of years ago, we started gaining access because of changes in genetic testing. Mm-hmm. Now, we've always suspected that many people had mitochondrial disease, but the way we had to study it was by taking muscle biopsies and doing all kinds of invasive things and people who really just were massively fatigued and floppy babies etc and we had to basically just touch on the genetics but what happened uh, beginning with genetic testing that was easy accessible is we were able to start seeing the process by which um, 
the energy was made was manipulated in many people by single nucleotide polymorphisms. Well, first, first, let's give a definition of mitochondria. I they're will, the, they're the powerhouses there. of the cell, correct? Yes, give, just, okay, I'll, let, let, me, I'll let you get to it. So basically what happens is mitochondria are your batteries. Okay. So all cells need batteries. And basically everybody understands this because if you think of an elderly lady, let's think of somebody in their 80s and okay. their mitochondria are starting to get weak. Yes. What's the first thing that goes south? Uh, their brain. Their brain. And then their immune system starts to go. They get they more get sick sickly. Okay. And then eventually their muscles get weak. They can't take care of themselves. Can't They're walk. in the old folks' home and then usually not with us too much longer. Yeah. Okay. So everybody kind of understands what happens when mitochondria get weak. Okay. okay. So basically, in order to understand what we need in order to function properly, the brain needs the most energy of anything. Okay. Okay. The immune system needs. And a lot. there's a mitochondria in every cell in the brain. Mitochondria in every cell, period. Okay. Because you can't function without energy. Okay. So basically, when we started looking at the immune system and the nervous system, and we're asking, okay, what is unique about these cells compared to other cells? And it really comes down to energy. Mm -hmm. We have to have more energy. And you and I both know it. If we don't sleep very well, how good does our brain work the next day? Not good. Okay. So energy is really important. Now, mitochondria are your powerhouses. They make ATP, which is the energy of the cell. And it makes it by a couple of ways. One way is splitting glucose, which makes a small amount, but the majority of it's made inside this mitochondria. Okay. And in fact, 90% of the energy of the cells made in this mitochondria. So what we got interested in is how common is mitochondrial energy and what's really unique about being able to look at genetics is I have never seen a person with perfect mitochondria. Okay. We all have some mild degree of mitochondria. Oh, I know weakness. I do. Okay. Now, that degree can be completely determined by genetics. Mm -hmm. So if you have 90% functional mitochondria, you are a super athlete running marathons. You're doing real good. You're playing pro sports. You're doing fantastic stuff. 80%, you're still feeling pretty good. 70%, mm -hmm. you're starting to get into trouble sometimes. 60% mm -hmm. and 50%, and you're in really big trouble. Sounds kind of like what methylation when you get into those. Well, methylation is part of it. So what we found when we deal with people who have neurological, immunological, energy problems, et cetera, is we have two required categories. Okay. We have a methylation problem and we have a mitochondrial problem because methylation, methyl tetrahydrofolate, feeds mitochondria. Ah. Do you understand? Yes. So those are interrelated. You can't separate them. And one thing that is 100% so far in what we've seen so mm -hmm. I'm going to say 99%, okay, because that's what doctors say. We never okay. say 100%. But in order to get into trouble with your nervous system and your immune system, you have to have a predisposition of low energy and low methylation together. Okay. And you recently, I know that you've been talking about these SNPs with, on the mitochondrial markers. Yeah. So a SIP, SNP is called a single nucleotide polymorphism. It's a genetic mutation. It's a genetic mutation where we, we find basically researchers, not me, I'm the assimilator. I'm not the researcher. Uh -huh. But all these researchers put out their identifications of their genetic, unique discoveries. And we have to then go look at them from a clinical perspective. Mm -hmm. Which okay. you're great at. Correct. And that's what I do. Okay. So I steal everybody's research and put it all together. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no reason to invent the wheel, I always say. Well, I'm not a real, I'm not a, um, you're not a researcher. I could be, have been. You're very good fast. at correlating research. You can grab all these abstracts and white papers right. and look at it and assimilate it and put it all together. That's what I love to do. Okay. Okay. So what With, gets me so excited is we would methylate most people and they would feel better, just like the lady you mentioned. Yeah. Okay. And that's great. But then there were some people, and I'd say probably 
Mm. And your patients are pretty severe. So My patients are not. Yeah, yeah, they always say yeah. they're skewed because they're pretty severe cases. Uh, but a lot of them would feel better, but they weren't well. Ah. And we were like, okay, why in the world are they not well? Okay. Well, energy. Ah, so you have to go to the mitochondria. And so what's happening? At the happened, same time, or do you start first with the mitochondria? Well, you have to start with methylation first. Methylation is the gasoline. Okay. So if i got to find out how a car is going to run, I need to put gas in it first. Yep. Okay, so we always start with methylation. But what we're rapidly going to, now that we have genetics, is we know how much inflammation is in the body. We know how well you detox. We know how strong your mitochondria are. So we set the process up with proof of what we've been talking about. Because up until last year, we were doing what we call theoretical biochemistry, which means we were saying, oh, look at this marker. If we go back to the biochemical pathway, this must have been where it got interrupted. We don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, because, you know, you used to have patients, or you do, that are floppy babies, and you'd put them on the mitochondrial restore and some other things that you do in your clinic, and they would start to pull themselves up. And so you knew it was working, but But now you have that genetic proof that this is what's going on. That's correct. That's awesome. Obviously, you need energy to heal. Yep. And so I tell people there are three rules to healing and stuff I've mentioned before. Number one, we got to have inflammation control. Okay. Got to get rid of the source of the inflammatory environment. Number two is having energy. Number three is having the right nutrition to heal whatever you're after. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is, I mean, like, you know, people, mitochondrial disease is not that common, but people with mitochondrial issues is very common. That's like people that don't um, have energy, first of all, maybe just minor fatigue, mm-hmm. people that don't recover from exercise, people that cannot heal after surgery, yeah, they just time. can't mm-hmm. get enough Correct. energy. So when you hear all these things, I'm like, oh my gosh, well, that that's me, you know, right. that's something that I've, I go through, but I go in and out of it. Well, then through the chronic fatigue, what you were finding is people correlating things. So mm-hmm. if you don't have good mitochondria and your immune cells don't work right, then you will get Epstein-Barr, you will get herpes viruses, you will get yeast, you will get Lyme's disease, you will get all these things because your immune system is not working well because it doesn't have the right energy. Does not mean that the Epstein-Barr caused the chronic fatigue. It's just one of the symptoms. It's one of the secondary effects. If you've been infected with mono Mm -hmm. and you have crappy immune cells, guess what? Mono loves to try to take advantage of you. And it'll hold on to you for a long time. So we got to get away from this correlation cause and effect Mm -hmm. meaning like i like to tell people you know i drove to work and two blue cars had wrecks yeah so you know what we should outlaw blue cars because they obviously have more wrecks (laughs) sounds dumb but that's kind of how these scientific studies come across when you look at them the oh yeah the blind placebos and this and that and they go oh 15 people had this effect so obviously it causes this but you don't know what's going on with the rest of them no so the idea is is that if we can strengthen the mitochondria and we can even take a, talk about some other concepts, uh, which are... Well, little, that might be part two. Yeah. I think this is going to be a long episode, a, a two-part episode, right, because no, we got no. a lot of things to talk about. I know, Stu. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit, you know, because you've been speaking the herpes virus and Epstein-Barr and everything that was associated with mitochondrial issues, chronic fatigue. You've been doing that for like 12, 15 years, and people, yeah. and everybody's like, oh my gosh, he's the antiviral doctor, or he's doing this and that. But right. now they're all like wanting to find your protocol because it's obviously been working for so long and they're finally realizing I got caught up in the same thing treating the symptoms because that's all we knew how to treat Mm -hmm. but now that we kind of understand it if I can fix the cells the body fixes itself that's wonderful so that's the way that to me that's the future of medicine meaning we still need medicines for acute issues 
but we're not going to put you on Valtrex for the rest of your life just mm-hmm. to suppress the herpes if, if we don't recognize that you have chronic herpes because your immune system is in trouble. So let's fix the immune system. Let's fix the immune system. Okay, well, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk more about this. All right, we'll be right back with Coffee with Dr. Stewart. No two people are the same. Our health issues and our nutritional needs are as unique as our smiles. That's why our mission at Neurobiologics is simple. Provide quality nutrition that changes lives, one formula at a time. Developed through a collaboration with top U.S. physicians, each Neurobiologics formula carefully targets specific health issues. I can't tell you how much supplementation has helped our family. Being able to put back in their bodies what they were missing, we had dramatic results. We had focus in school. We had children that were able to sleep through the night. We had children that had their moods regulated. What we're interested more in neurobiologics is replenishing the insufficiencies that the body has in order to recover the underlying problem and reestablish the nervous system and immune system normal function. Each of us is unique. Shouldn't your supplement be too? Neurobiologics. We are changing lives one formula at a time. All right, and we are back with episode 10 on Coffee with Dr. Stewart. We are talking about mitochondrial function, weakness, genetics with mitochondria. We're also talking about some chronic fatigue issues and fatigue in general. But, you know, Dr. Stewart, during the break, we were talking about some, you know, when you look at the websites for mitochondrial disease, you see all these symptoms that people have. So you've got poor growth, muscle coordination issues, neurological problems, seizures, autism, Hearing problems, developmental delays, heart, liver, kidney disease, GI issues, diabetes, increased risk of infection. Now, they're associated with mitochondrial disease, but does that mean that you have that disease or the weakness? Okay, so the difference in a disease versus a weakness, which is what I like to say, is a disease from a mitochondrial perspective genetically is that you have inherited a terrible function of one specific step in the mitochondria. Okay. Meaning you've inherited this just terrible complete blockade at a specific step okay now and is it very noticeable physically in oh, these sure. people that are super severe everybody, everybody knows the floppy babies the yeah. people that can't walk very well they're yeah, clumsy yeah. things like that but a lot of times you'll find out that those people don't necessarily um can't find a weakness in mm-hmm. a specific thing so you think they have it but they don't so the difference in weakness though is that we can have multiple points in the step so basically a mitochondria has five different steps that you go through. It's called the respiratory chain. Okay. And there are basically you go through five steps and then out pops energy. So we can have a mild weakness at step one, three, and four. Okay. We can have a mild weakness at one, three, and five. We can have a mild weakness at one, four, and five. But they add up to a generalized weakness. Now, how do you know which weaknesses? By the genetic SNPs? By the genetic SNPs. And what, what, name a couple of those. NDUFS7 is the most common. That's, that's step that's one. That's the one that seems to, everybody seems to have that mutation. If you're, well, if you, the patients that I see, most of them have it. I have that's it. That's NDUFS7, and that uses NADH and converts it to NAD. And basically what you're doing in a mitochondria is you're taking hydrogen molecules and you're pushing them across a membrane and you're creating an electrical potential. Mm-hmm. And so these steps essentially push 
hydrogen molecules across create this electrical potential and then we use that electrical potential to make atp okay so eventually it does go through all the steps just not as well as it should or correct. as it was supposed to be correct so when you add up 10 percent, let's say at three steps all of a sudden you got a 70 percent function in a mitochondria ah. now the problem is right now we don't know what the strength and the severity of each one step is but if we see three pe- people with three snips Mm-hmm. versus somebody with two versus somebody with five, we all of a sudden see clinically that the five person sure does feel a whole lot worse. And a lot of these is- issues are in play. They're all in play. Really? So the whole idea is we got to define the difference because the difference is we now know that we can actually more than likely induce all cells to grow more mitochondria. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love our, you know, we do have the mitochondrial restore, which is great. I take it, a lot of people take from with fatigue and stuff and that's what they always associate it with sure there's lots of reasons but pqq is what we're adding and so tell us about that because we've had great people come back oh my gosh i feel so much better so there's three major ways that we can help it so the, the number one step in the respiratory chain is basically nadh ubiquinone transferase and basically no no so we can talk about that but it helps to make coq10 but basically that step can respond to NADH. Which okay, is nicotinamide which, riboside. Nope, that's nicotinamide. Gosh, I'm just all wrong today. <laughs> I thought that that's what it was. What is NADH? NADH is nicotine adenine diphosphate. Oh, wonderful. Okay. <laughs> okay, nicotinamide adenine diphosphate. And basically, um, basically, that is the cofactor that's used for that step. Now, niagen which mm-hmm. is what you're referring to, ah. is nicotinamide riboside, which gets converted to NADH. Okay, so sometimes okay. that can help. Sure, they both okay. can help, but the problem is is that those will strengthen that step, but if you have weaknesses further along in the mitochondria, it won't really help those steps. Okay. It can fix the first step or help it. Which will help in, in sure. some cases, most feel cases. Better. Yeah. A lot of people feel better, and that's fairly instantaneous, yeah. meaning you notice it within a week or two yeah. that you are feeling better. Now, the second one is really interesting. So PQQ, which is called pyroquinoline quinone, is basically a super potent form of CoQ10. Okay. Okay. Now, CoQ10 is mostly used in step three of the mitochondria. Now, what happened is pyroquinoline quinone, when they started studying mice, they found out if they added more to a mice. More PQQ? mm -hmm, To their diet, they actually grew more mitochondria. And that came out in 2010. Then they all of a sudden went over to certain groups like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and dementia. You can certainly look at PQQ and these types of diseases. Yeah, I have. It's amazing. And when they they found out that if they added dietary PQQ, we would typically create more energy in the cells by telling the cells to multiply their mitochondria. Wow. Now, that takes time. So mm-hmm. it's not like you're going to take Cognic-Q. I'm not going to be an athlete next Any week. of those PQQ-containing <laughs> things. And, you're, yeah, you're not going to fix it overnight. Okay. You know, so I've been on it now for 12 weeks. Okay. And at about six weeks is when I really started to notice that my appetite was up, my body fat started going down, my fatigue was well, – Yeah. My energy was better. I, really I noticed that I can wake up easier in the morning. I sure. used to be super lethargic, my eyes rolling back in my head, and sure. I can actually get up now. So the whole idea is that we essentially now know that by using more PQQ in the majority of people, we can actually probably – I say probably, because we really haven't been able to completely prove it yet, induce the cell to grow more mitochondria. So if I have a battery that's making 60% energy, 
Um, if I can't grow more batteries, then I've only got 60% energy. But eight batteries making 60% of energy versus four batteries it's making so 60% better. is much more energy for the cell. So the, the new formula that's coming out in January, the MitoCell PQQ, that's with the NAD, I'm sorry, the nicotinamide riboside. Nope. NADH. Oh, NADH and PQQ. And PQQ and ubiquinone. Wow. All together. That's why we have people calling. Correct. <laughs> You're already because telling them. <laughs> we have that put all together because those three things have shown. And then we put astaxanthine and, you know, um, quercetin and now, I know we did. I know that you tried this on a few patients and stuff and you had amazing mm, results. Sure. Okay. So you're, you're planning that this is going to be a, a, a big change. It's going to be a big one because, you know, you have to go buy separate bottles of all those things to help right now. And they're now. expensive. Yep. They're PQQ very expensive. is very expensive. So what you do is you have to put them all together so that you have the best effect. And the now, right the ratios. Thing, the only thing you have to watch out for, and it's just something to be aware of, is that the brain in people who have had weakness of mitochondria has adapted to having a low energy state. Mm-hmm. So when you put like NADH in, uh, what will happen is all of a sudden the brain will have more energy. And a lot of people, it floods neurotransmitters and they can get a little emotional for a couple oh, of days. Oh, yeah. Okay. In fact, I got a little bit irritable for a couple of days. No, not you. Well, Did you cry? Fussy. No. <laughs> <laughs> but just fussy. And so I yeah. always warn people when you start this, you know. If you see some emotionality, that's actually a good sign because what's happening is you're making more energy. Your brain's not used to it, and it's got to readjust. Boy, it's a, it sounds like the methylation thing. Sometimes when you start methylation, you say it's like drinking a cup of coffee, and your body goes into this you mm-hmm. know, overload because it's not used to having it. It's kind of the same concept. So the whole idea is we now know, and I reinforce this with all my patients very, you know, repetitively okay every day <laughs> you know every time i see them is you got to have methylation you got to have energy okay because those appear to be now detoxification is another issue because if you don't detox well you start to poison these mitochondria and that's with the glutathione issue that's with glutathione okay so you know the problem is too is that we're learning that a lot of the things we use uh medicinally yeah and we're going to talk about that on part two of this mm-hmm. but go ahead and touch touch on it well sometimes uh a lot of the we're learning in a lot of the literature now that certain pharmaceutical drugs poison mitochondria really mm-hmm. and so if you keep feeding that pharmaceutical drug it's so gonna break you, them down you can just say uh drugs that poison mitochondria and have at it start reading you'll oh, be shocked gosh wow i guess everybody's gonna jump on google now well i recently found that a lot of your patients you know when they they come just they do have that 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 issue in the beginning of you know being overloaded and stuff sure. and you know if someone does does start to take something for support that you mentioned do they need to slow down would that be something they need to yeah, like back down to one capsule instead of two yeah and so we made it in a two capsule dose for the pneumoticel okay which is perfect because a lot of people have to start with half the dose just like sometimes with methylation that's correct so okay. you always you, you always work into it because there's no reason for you to suffer. A lot of people are like, I'm fine. I'm going to suffer through it. And I'm like, but your family ain't going to be happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're you know? going to bite my head off. <laughs> so let's just take our time. And, you know, obviously some people are more sensitive than others. The more severe your weakness, the more overloaded your brain gets with this newfound energy. Okay. Now, and this leads me to my next question. So you don't always start out with the mitochondrial issue. It can happen later in life. Because you always talked about, they they kept talking about triggering events. Yeah, so triggering events basically put pressure of increased energy need on some other area. Okay. So if the, let's say you get sick. 
yep. and your immune system revs up and steals all the energy. How good does your brain work when you're sick? Not very well. Right. Okay. How strong are your muscles when you're sick? Not very strong. Exactly. So the brain shunts energy where it needs. I mean, excuse me, the body shunts energy where it needs. Okay. Now, the whole idea is we're supposed to have adequate energy for everything to go on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if we don't have that and we're limited, we will isolate the energy where we need it. Okay. From a conceptual standpoint. Now, there's biochemical aspects to that, too. But basically, you always want to have enough energy to where your brain works the majority of the days well. Your immune system works well because you're looking at cancer. Cancer appears to be a mitochondrial weakness. Really? You mean like post? I mean like during cancer? No, I'm talking cancer, about or? cancer, and but also the drugs we use to kill cancers can poison mitochondria too. Oh gosh, that's horrible. Yeah. So, so the that's whole why idea is you, you can't know, recover. What are we really doing here biochemically? Now I'm not going to say you're going to start up a big controversy here. <laughs> Well, but you have proof. I'm not the guy starting it. <laughs> oh, it's already been in the literature it's for a long out. time. Okay, and NIH has has lots of papers, yeah, on drugs that poison mitochondria. Wow, and okay. I know you're speaking on this at the um, World Congress yes, I am. of Anti Aging in December. Correct. So uh, he'll be in so, Vegas if anybody wants to make it out. Who's a medical I'm not trying to criticize. What I'm telling you is, that if we sit stagnant and we think we've got everything licked, I will promise you, you haven't. Yeah, we've got to always be learning, always got to know what's going on, always got to take the next step in objectivity. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so excited about genetics, because all this chemistry that nobody really understood what the heck I was talking about. Yeah. All of a sudden it got proven. And then we learned there was a whole (laughs) lot more to it. Yeah. We even thought, which is really exciting. Well, that's why I always like doing the show with you, because you always have something new to say. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to hear you speak in December. So, you know what? With that, we're going to have to wrap. It's it's as again, we ran out of time. But sure. on the next episode, I want to talk about those drugs you were talking about okay. and in particular, like what kind of drugs, because everybody's going to going to wonder about that. Sure if they, are. they can go to Google and find out. But maybe we could get a little more information from you. And then I still want to talk about like some issues that happen later in life and uh, what we can do to avoid it sure. or we can get to recover from it. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you so much for joining us today on episode 10. And we hope that you have a beautiful and blessed Sunday. This show is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. Dr. Stewart serves as the chief science officer and lead formulator for neurobiologics and advises you to consult with your own medical professional on any information given during this programming. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease or medical condition.